Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. You know, in, in my current role and my previous two roles, I was fortunate enough to be able to build my own team mm-hmm. from ground up. I'm very particular about uh, hiring and I spend a lot of time and effort in meeting candidates to make sure that when they come into this environment, they are able to deliver. When you're celebrating as a team, you take accountability for failures also together, which makes us a high performance culture where everyone knows it takes an entire team to get to that big ambitious goal we've set for ourselves. And each one has to, has to put their effort completely unconditionally into it. So curiosity and courageousness mm. go together, you know. Um, if you're a risk taker, if you're someone that's okay with uh, the unknown, mm-hmm. you are fine with some amount of chaos, and you're curious to learn more. Mm. And these are things I look for. I, I, I really dig into what defines that, uh, that personality. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Welcome back, the Heron Code Women in Leadership podcast. It is just getting better and better. And I know I tell you this every single episode, but it really, really does. We have women from all different walks of life that have come here onto this podcast to share their story with you. And from your feedback, I know that you have absolutely loved it. And and, and you will continue to love it because today's episode, I'm joined by Priti Mundra, who is a courageous leader, an inspiration for women in the financial services industry and beyond. Preeti, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nimi. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, Preeti, I mean, we have so much, so much to talk about personally and professionally. So I'm just going to get stuck in if that's okay with you. Perfect. Uh, born and raised in Calcutta, India. Yeah. Tell me about Preeti in those times, because is she different from who she is today? Yes mm-hmm. and no, both. So I grew up in Kolkata. It was my hometown. It's still my hometown to a middle class business family, fairly conservative. We had pretty much expected you you will finish your education, get married, start a family, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And then I was a happy-go-lucky child, not super ambitious till my mother started encouraging me saying, you know, you're a smart girl. Mm. Try a little harder, you know give yourself a little more push. And then as I got into high school, I started understanding my own potential slowly and gradually till I realized like, okay, there is something in there and mm-hmm. I need to start working on it, take myself a little more seriously. Yeah, And I put in the hard work uh, and then I realized like, okay, I'm not going to follow the traditional family approach that my father would have imagined for me at that time. So little by little, I started... Uh, <coughs> defying those those expectations in some way where I said, no, I'm not getting married at 23. I'm going out. I'm getting my MBA outside of Kolkata. And after doing my MBA, I was like, I'm not getting married yet. Mm. I'm going to start working. And I started working uh, with, with my first organization in FMCG, ITC in India. And it was a rather unconventional job as well because quote unquote, I was selling cigarettes to mm. start with in my career. And that required a lot of, lot of hardcore traveling into, you know, the odd parts of 
villages, towns around the city. So it was very hardcore, very unconventional. I come from a community called Marwaris and it was kind of unexpected that I would be doing any of this. Mm. I ended up doing it. So as as a child, I didn't think I would be uh, growing up into having a full-time career and and living away from yeah. uh, from my hometown. But it happened. It happened because at some point my mother saw a lot more potential in me than I myself was yeah. willing to. But it <coughs> It's it's alien. It, it's so <laughs> alien for then someone like yourself to then say, that's it, I'm not going to follow the, the conventional societal expectation of me. Where did that come from? This sudden against the grain, some might call rebel. Where did this streak come from, from you? So interestingly, I was never rebellious. Mm. In, it, it's just that I was taking life's decisions with the flow. So when when I started getting good grades, I realized I want to pursue education more seriously. When I completed my education, I was like, I've done all of this. I've put in all the hard work. So I just sat down with my uh, with my parents and explained to them what I wanted to do with my career. I got a good opportunity. And they saw, they saw that the effort was there. So they were like, okay, go do life your way. You know, Of course, it wouldn't have been possible or it would have been much harder if they had resisted. But no, they were the ones who stood by me then and said, just go and do it and then we'll figure out the rest. Mm. So it wasn't ever done with the intention of being a rebel. Mm. It was just that. And and the same thing happened when it came to marriage, you know, career. And then when I met my, my uh, now who's my husband, Korov, when I met him, he was not from the same community and we had issues back then, you know, mm-hmm. saying, how are we going to make this marriage happen? Yeah. Again, the same logic, sit, sat down with the families, made them understand our point of views. There was a little bit of a resistance, but then they said, okay, you guys are mature enough, responsible mm-hmm. enough. We let you be. Yeah. I think I was I was fortunate enough to have, have a family that, although being traditional, was also willing to indulge me mm-hmm. and say, you are one strong-headed Girl, you're determined and we believe you're responsible. You've made responsible choices so far, so we'll trust you. Yeah, wow. So that's how, you know, even marriage happened. And then I think that was the best thing that happened Mm. because uh, after that, almost all our choices have been made together with Mm. a very conscious, you know, choice making. So building my career, having kids and, and, you know, still giving my all to both my family and work happened because I I think because I found the right partner, someone who again had so much faith in me and so much conviction in what I could do. Mm. So, yeah, I, like I said, it wasn't done with the intention of being a rebel. It was just saying, does this make me happy? Does it make me fulfilled? Yes, then I'm going to do it. And I love that because I feel like more and more, especially the the recent years, I do feel like the younger generation are putting their wants and needs before their families or before what culture or society <laughs> tells them to do. I, I guess you were an early, early person <laughs> who was taking a trailblazing with that. And I love that. And as you mentioned, at age 22, you left the city to, you left to go to the city, sorry, for from where you were born and raised. How was that for you? A bit of a culture shock or was that scary? (laughs) Did you move completely alone? Yes, so I... I had been raised in this very sheltered joint family system. And then when I had to go for my MBA, it was in Delhi. 
uh, a completely different city. I had to live on campus and fend for myself coming from this this environment in Kolkata, getting into Delhi. For people who are from India, they would know these yeah. are two very different cultures. So the first couple of months, I was just trying to, to find my way around, trying to fit in. And then I was homesick. I was homesick yeah. for a couple of months. But then after that, you know, you start enjoying your campus life. Mm. You start enjoying the friendships you build there. And I never looked back after that. Found some very, very long-lasting friendships that I still cherish. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I, I think that's where the first seeds of independence were sown, where I was, there, there would be times where I would know that I would run out of my monthly allowance before the month would end. Mm-hmm. And I was too proud to go back to dad and say, I need more. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I need to figure out how I'm going to survive the last five days of this month. Yeah. Uh, but I won't go back to him. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll not know that, uh, you know, I have, I'm struggling. Yeah. And I'm really happy I did that because that's how I really became independent, mm-hmm. you know, making my own decisions, trying to figure out how to make, becoming money wise as well, knowing whatever is my allowance, either I work within that or I figure out how to increase that, you know. Mm-hmm. So then I started participating in a lot of inter-school competitions and doing live um, cases with different industries to make that extra on the side, right? Now, all of these little things, when you're living with your family and you're sheltered, you don't make those everyday decisions. Mm-hmm. But stepping out of the family, living by myself, got me ready for for my first job mm-hmm. because my first job required me to stay in another city and this time not on campus, living by myself, right? So, but I was not afraid anymore Mm. because I had been making those decisions and day-to-day choices, keeping myself safe and secure. Delhi at that time was not the safest of places. Mm. But I was able to, you know, keep myself safe, enjoy life and build great relationships. So independence is something I really tasted after I uh, left home mm-hmm. and that came with uh, with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So it was not just about, oh, I've got freedom now. With freedom was also, you've got to take care of yourself, girl. Of you, course. There's, there's no one else here to watch your back. It comes with a lot of pride as well. <coughs> uh, and dare I say ego, because, uh, you know, even when I left and I, and I moved over to Dubai, I promised myself on that day, I cannot look back now. I've made a choice to create this life for myself. I can't look back and then lean on my parents just at my convenience. Absolutely. So, you know, going into your first role then, your first professional role, I feel like everyone remembers their first ever job. Of course, you were taken out of your normal uh, surrounding and environment and that taught you a lot. But then going from education to a professional setting, that in itself is a huge shift. How did you kind of adapt to a professional setting as a woman in the industry? How was that for you? So going from an MBA institute into uh, a hardcore sales job as your first profession, uh, which required a lot of intensive travel, working in a very, very male-dominated industry. You know, mm-hmm. FMCG at that time was very male-dominated, FMCG sales, and that too in the cigarettes and tobacco business was even more, right? So that was the real culture shock, mm-hmm. you know, where... And I don't think it was a culture shock for me. It was more for people that interacted with me, say, yeah. you know, how, how are you comfortable standing in front of this convenience store with so many men around you and you're com- comfortable asking about how are the sales doing for those cigarette packs? 
I had to do it and I had to do it without batting an eyelid, without letting people know that I was feeling mm. uncomfortable or embarrassed or anything. It's like, matter of fact, I'm just going to stand here and fake it till you make it. Yeah. And slowly and gradually, you know, within the first three to four months, I realized that there were so many other colleagues around me who then started, you know, becoming more comfortable around me, who would be more than willing to help me understand how to make this work in the market. And, and then after that, uh, you know, it was just allowing myself to work, work hard. Mm. You know, I, I would not give myself excuses like, come on, you're a girl. You should not be sitting in that delivery truck and going with the salesman. No, I bear a title and I'm going to do what the title requires me to do, but irrespective of my gender. Mm. Right. And. There were times when, when my bosses would be more concerned about my uh, safety and well-being, <laughs> saying, are you sure you want to go on that ride? And I'm like, I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back in one piece <laughs> and I'll bring all the right information back. So don't worry. And because I didn't allow myself to give any of those excuses, soon, very soon I realized that the rest of my colleagues started accepting me just mm. for who I am, who I was, I was not being judged on my gender anymore because mm. I was producing, if not the same, m more yeah. uh, than what some of my other male counterparts were producing. So it's now pretty acceptable. But when I started out in 2004, it was it was a little bit of a culture shock for the market that I was working in. Yeah, because during that time, before your <laughs> colleagues kind of came around to accepting your role and your position, did you feel like you had to be something else or try to put on a masculine energy or try to command respect from your fellow colleagues? Or were you simply just, I'm just going to be me and they have to accept it or they can, you know? Yeah. This is, this is something about me which I'm very proud of. I have never tried to, to be someone I'm not. I cannot be. It's just not sustainable, right? So... I was like, this is who I am. I'm sincere, I'm hardworking, and I'm simple. Mm -hmm. I have certain rules in life that I will not break, and uh, I'm going to stick by those. I come to work, I leave my gender outside. This is me as a person. I'm, I'm a whole, mm -hmm. right? You take me as a whole, you get the best out of me. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was, in my mind, I was very clear there was no gender disparity in my mind. So I did not allow others to treat me differently just because I was uh, I was a girl. Yeah, you're, you're not defined by it. Yeah. And I did not judge, you know, I've had great male bosses all along. And I was not there trying to prove a point of feminism. I was just there as someone who was curious about learning, who was willing to put in the hard work and find solutions. And sooner or later, your managers, your leaders around you start appreciating that yeah. rather than if you're trying to rally up, um, you know, an agenda for being a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that you've been very passionate about is about a high performance culture in every team that you have been in, every organization that you have worked for. So what does it take to have high performance culture within not just an individual, but a team and an organization as well? So it's a process. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight, uh, especially if you inherit a team, it's harder. But if you have the privilege of building a team from scratch and bringing in the right people, it starts there. So the culture is defined by the people that are going to be living that culture. 
you know, in, in my current role and my previous two roles, I was fortunate enough to be able to build my own team mm-hmm. from ground up. I'm very particular about uh, hiring and I spend a lot of time and effort in meeting candidates to make sure that when they come into this environment, they are able to deliver, mm. right? So hiring, hiring well and hiring consciously is the first requirement. Second is keeping things very open and honest. So being able to have very genuine and rich conversations with, with the team members, being open to getting feedbacks from them, you know. Mm. I didn't become a CEO overnight. Yeah. It's been a journey of leadership. And I'm still at the very, very, you know, early stages of this journey of leadership. And there are times when I make mistakes. I allow the team to share feedback with me. I learn from what they say. Sometimes the most junior, youngest team members have some very great insights into my leadership style. And mm-hmm. they say, Preeti, if you would do this a little differently like this. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 you know, initially they are cautious with how they give me feedback because they don't know how I'm going to take yeah. it. But then, you know... Over time, they realize, like, it's fine. We can just tell her this and mm-hmm. she will take it the right way. That allows me to give them feedback constructively as well yeah. because they know where I'm coming from and what's the common purpose. So openness, positivity in the team, celebrations. I think mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we get too caught up in the pressure of performing yeah. and we forget about celebrations. Mm-hmm. So I, I consciously moments and it doesn't have to be something really grand but you see one of your team members has gone above and beyond with one particular incident just go in you know make Mm. it casual get everybody together have a round of applause and go back to work Mm. and then that's how little by little you know a performance becomes a part of the DNA you know that you don't just come in for for a nine-to-five job Mm -hmm. you come in because you're passionate about performing you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty you're willing to dig really deep and these are you know principles and and values that we've now created within my current organization in Mm -hmm. tree where we said we want to keep things simple as a team are we willing to dig deep Mm -hmm. are we willing to get our hands dirty are we willing to branch out and have the courage to think differently Mm -hmm. and most importantly we celebrate as one, you know. Mm. So it's not about an individual success. When you're celebrating as a team, you take accountability for failures also together. Mm. So these are the four guiding values in the in the team for us now, which which makes us a high performance culture where everyone knows it takes an entire team to mm. get to that big ambitious goal we've set for ourselves. And each one has to has to put their effort completely unconditionally into it yeah I mean it's one thing that you spoke about and said that you're very (coughs) conscious when it comes to hiring very I know every leader every organization has their own different approach to this but for you in particular what are those characteristics that you look for in an individual that really stand out and that are important for you skill sets are a given Mm mm-hmm so, and, and you can pretty much get that from the resume most of the times. It's the interviews that make a lot of difference where I get to understand the energy of the person mm-hmm. and how positive and optimistic and upbeat the person is. Irrespective of what role you're coming into, you need to bring the right energy levels into the workplace. So, uh, 
you can be a great resource in terms of your knowledge and experience. But if you're someone that's going to pull everyone's spirit down by being that negative person in the room, we are better off without you. Mm. Yeah. So energy levels, articulation, mm-hmm. are you able to explain yourself? Because this team is going to be all about how well we communicate with each other. If you have great ideas or if you have, you can understand the concerns and challenges, but you're not able to articulate and explain, mm-hmm. there will always be a problem with how the team communicates. So articulation is important. Curiosity, especially if you're a startup, you know, you need people that are curious, that are okay with the unknown. So curiosity and courageousness Mm. go together, you know. Um, If you're a risk taker, if you're someone that's okay with uh, the unknown, Mm -hmm. you are fine with some amount of chaos and you're curious to learn more. Mm. And these are things I look for. I, I, I really dig into what defines that uh, that personality. Mm. So to me, uh, personality and, and energy levels come way above the the current skill sets that someone has on their resume. Yeah, Those can be taught or acquired. Mm, absolutely. And, and I think a leader truly reflects that. When I look at a leader or a manager I've ever had, you know, I aspire to be like them. And I think that you've, you've led with that attitude as well. And one thing that you have uh, spoken about is that your attitude and approach to certain decision making within your career has got you to where you are today. And that is to always say yes. Can you tell me more about that ethos? <laughs> Yeah, you know, sometimes we are told, oh, you should learn to say no. I think I'm a firm believer of say yes. Mm. When an opportunity presents itself, say yes. Especially as women, you know, we tend to doubt ourselves a little more. Mm. And like, am I ready for this? Well, guess what? We'll never be ready for it. So just go in Mm. and you'll figure it out, right? So. Every time an opportunity presented itself to me, initially, there were people around me who seemed to have more faith in me than I had myself, yeah. right? And these, were, these are the leaders I'm grateful to. And I know that they shaped my career by showing that extra confidence in me, saying, you'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Give it a try. You've not done it before, but I believe you can do it. Yeah. And I said, okay, if they have faith in me, I'm going to say yes. Mm. That I did that the first time. I did that when I was moving from India, from FMCG to Dubai into banking. I had no idea of financial services. Mm. But the person who was recruiting me then said, I believe you can do it. I said, well, okay, yes, I'll wow. do it. And then banking happened for the next 13 years. I was in banking, yeah. right? Then when someone said we are trying to build a digital bank. I was in retail, traditional retail banking. I had no idea about digital banking Mm. at all. Mm. But again, you know, another leader in my life that I'm extremely grateful to who said, you're smart, you'll go in, you'll figure it out. Whatever resources you need, you know, Mm -hmm. you can tap into and figure it out. We are giving you a blank canvas, go create something new. And at that time I said, okay, Say yes, Preeti, say yes. Even if you're not 100% confident inside, Mm. today just say yes. Yeah. And we ended up creating the first and the the 
best digital bank uh, the country had seen at that time. And we brought it to market. So yeah, again, when, when a new market came in, it's like there's an opportunity to work in another country. I had to leave my family behind, do weekend commutes to make that happen. Big change, big shift. I wasn't sure, am I doing the right thing as a mother? And uh, my daughter said, Mama, I think you can do it, you know. You should go for it. An 11-year-old had so much faith in me. I said, for her sake, I'm going to say yes. Wow. And then eventually, like when the opportunity in Riyadh came and it was a new country, new industry, first time to be in, in you know, a CEO position, I did not need that extra word of confidence from anyone else. Because over the last few years, by repeatedly saying yes to new opportunities, I figured out that no matter what, whatever the situation, whatever the role, whatever the industry, the fundamentals are, are the same. Mm -hmm. And I can go in and I can invest myself into that role and learn mm -hmm. and I will produce results. So I said yes. And this is something I want to share with a lot of people around me saying, don't close yourselves up to the unknown mm. because you have to get out of your comfort zone and no one will ever tell you that you are fully ready. Yeah. And it's all right. Mm. It's all right if you're not fully ready, as long as you're willing to put in the hard work yeah. that, that needs to go, you'll figure it out. And you are, you're living testament to that. And I think it's, you know, we've spoken about your journey and all the intricate moments, but I feel it's got to a point now where you know, you're, you're focused on legacy now, you know, your, your greater purpose. It's much bigger than a role or a title. Tell me about that because you are so passionate about inspiring the people around you. Once, you know, we, we had once created uh, a, a marketing campaign. This is when I was, was in the marketing team in the bank. And uh, it says, keep writing your success story. And it had come out of a conversation I was having with a gentleman from the agency, my great friend. And we started talking about what is the purpose of my company at that time in the role of the customers' lives. And it was about enabling them mm -hmm. to, they're the hero of the stories. We're just the catalyst. Mm -hmm. And that, that message has remained with me over the years. And now it is my deep passion. It is my purpose. While I'm on my journey to write my own growth story, I want to enable, you know, young people, my colleagues, my teams, my family, and the bigger community out there to unlock their own potential. You know, most of the times, the people that hold us back are we ourselves. Mm -hmm. We are our biggest roadblocks. We put limits to who we are, what we do, how much we will achieve. And I believe the moment we start saying no limits, I am capable of more, I am deserving of more, and your success is not my failure. Mm -hmm. You know, your success means there's room for more. Yeah. Right. So being able to share that message with the, with the, uh, with the community, with the young girls that I have started uh, mentoring and coaching, you know, people from my previous teams mm -hmm. who believe that I will guide them with my experiences without judging them, but allowing them to see their own potential. Mm. And that's a role I fulfill outside of, you know, just my own uh, role as, as the CEO of Tree. 
I have dedicated my time, um, you know, uh, specific times that I meet with young girls mm -hmm. and I, I help them answer, find answers to their questions. So they have to find their own answers. Each one of us has to find our own answers. Mm -hmm. But if there's someone that can just guide you through that process, it becomes uh, a little more believable. Yeah, and a lot more comforting, Yeah, for sure. Uh, lastly, Prithi, I, I do want to ask you because I feel like your professional career has been such a journey and it's been such an adventure. But also on the personal side... <laughs> You yourself are so willing to put yourself out there and just, you know, enjoy life for what it is. Tell me about that that balance between, you know, Prithi at home and Prithi at work. It's You wear a lot of hats. So how do you do it? Balance is a myth. Yeah. Balance is an absolute myth. There are days I'm fully occupied by work and I'm not ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. My family recognizes that. They support me. Uh, in that and then there are times when I am out there doing a personal adventure with my family I could be trekking to the Mount Everest base camp for two weeks completely switched off from work so the balance shifts completely to you know to my personal adventure and I do that I'm in the moment I'm in the present and uh, enjoying it right so I don't try to chase balance. Mm -hmm. Whatever I'm doing now, I do it with a lot of consciousness. I, I think what's what's the need of the hour. Mm. If I am if I am reading with my son, then I make an effort not to keep the phone next to me and keep checking emails. No, that's my time with him. But when I'm working, then they know that this is the time that she's fully focused on her work mm -hmm. and they begin to accept that today is an intense day and mm -hmm. we cannot be distracting her. Yeah. So we do that. Uh, my family, uh, we've, we've gotten into a kind of a tradition, a routine in the family where we take a lot of, we call them oxygen breaks. Mm -hmm. uh, three days, five days, short holidays. Uh, many a times these are uh, offbeat vacations, road trips, we just pack our bags, the four of us, and we'll be crisscrossing across different countries and just discovering. And that has taught us so much. That has opened our, you know, our eyes to different cultures, made us so much more tolerant. And in fact, I think that's what even gave me the courage mm. to, because we've seen so much of the world that when time came and said, okay, you know, we've lived in Dubai for so long mm -hmm. and now I am working in Riyadh, uh, doing the daily weekend commute from Riyadh and first from Kuwait and then from Riyadh was becoming a little hard because I was not able to spend as much time as I wanted to with my kids. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's move to Riyadh. Mm. And that decision didn't come very easy, uh, of course, because... For kids, for my kids, this is home. Dubai is home. But we said it's fine, you know. Mm. Let's let's give it a try. And I think we got that courage, that comfort from the fact that we've done adventurous stuff before and mm. we've come out of it strong each time, whether we were trekking to the base camp with, the, with my nine-year-old boy or, you know, going into journeys like chasing gorillas. Wow. <laughs> so... Each time, each adventure just gives you the confidence that life will happen. Mm -hmm. Just allow it to happen. Be open and good things will come your way. So yeah. I think just 
that's that's kind of become my mantra now. Yeah. No, I like that, and and the fact that balance is definitely a myth. So oh. stop trying to chase it because <laughs> yeah, it's never gonna happen. No. Uh, Prithi, I want to thank you so much for your time. This has been such a great conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it, um, and I know that our listeners will walk away from this. Uh, we're learning a lot, so thank you. Thank you so Absolutely much. Absolutely, with my pleasure. Thank, thank you, you. Women in Leadership, brought to you by 